0: Are you a military service member or veteran struggling with insomnia? A new study is investigating a non-drug therapy program that you can receive from your computer or a smartphone. If you find it difficult to fall or stay asleep or feel tired throughout the day, internet guided cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia may be a treatment worth exploring. If you or a loved one is a current or former military service member has had a head injury and are between the ages of 18 and 64, you might qualify. For this study, call or text 301 456 5474 or head on over to militaryveterandad.com/sleep. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I am a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Military Veteran Dad. I am your host, Ben Cloy with a dad joke for you today. The dad joke for today is why did the fisherman go to the gym? Awkward silence and pause. To get muscles. You're welcome. Thank you. I am here all night, but you're not just here to hear my corny dad jokes. You are here to be inspired to move the needle on becoming a better dad. And today meet that objective hook, line, and sinker. The question I have for you to kick off today is what are you holding back? Think about all the things. If you think of your life on the other side of a dam, what is the dam holding up? What is it holding back from flowing in life, And today I'm talking with Chris Hamm and we dive into a deep conversation about family, archery, healing, community, and growth. We've never really had an archery conversation on the podcast. And after Ryan Longerman on the podcast, we dive into it again because he cracked me wide open and I'm hooked and I'm excited to find and get more into the archery community here in Wisconsin. What are we holding back can often be that one thing that needs to be released in order for us to come home to our families. The mission of this podcast is to bring every dad home, but if you are holding back something, that is not possible. doesn't matter if it's war, service, or a really bad thought. Now, Chris is not a veteran, but archery has been a part of his life since he was a boy, and now as a business owner, he runs a nonprofit helping veterans find a tool to heal through what life has given them and that tool is archery he has amazing stories so far with the work they've been doing that veterans he've been helping of story that he posted on LinkedIn really is where I've initially found Chris and I was like I gotta have this guy in the podcast for the work that they are doing the events are all over Southern Wisconsin there's a lot of events coming up throughout here in the next few weeks people fly in all over the country for these events so make sure you check out the links in the show notes the heck to find those events and figure out if those events work with your timeline. Like I said, they're all throughout the year and all up here in Wisconsin and all different parts of Wisconsin. So make sure you go ahead and check it out if you were a Wisconsin native, or if you're just looking to maybe get out and get away, make sure you check those out as well. Cause people do fly in from all over the country to support these events. Guys, I have rambled enough. Let's get started with Chris Ham. And if you want my big takeaway, of this podcast, make sure as always, you hang on to the other side. Today I'm talking with Chris Ham. He's a fellow Wisconsinite up by Stevens Point and he is the owner of HAA Sports and he has an interesting story of how archery has been integrated with veterans and he's doing a lot of different work with Ryan Longerman that we spoke with last week on the podcast and so Chris I am really excited for this interview and just hearing the idea of what archery has done and how you've kind of come into archery but then also how you've seen it change lives in the worlds of veterans as well.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be on the podcast, uh, talking with a fellow, fellow Wisconsinite and, uh, just excited to, I guess, share with your listeners, you know, how I've been able to use the blessings in my life through my for-profit business to bring that into the nonprofit world and, and come alongside our, our service members, uh, and, and introduce them to archery. So
0: before we go to what you do currently, tell me, cause I imagine my instinct is going off here. How did archery? in your younger days change your life or what influence did archery have in your life as a person who's figuring out how to adult?
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to go back to gosh, 1978. I was born in 1975. So my, my dad was big into archery back when the, when the compound bows were first coming out with the wheels on them. You know, it was, it used to be all the Robin hood stuff with recurves and long bows and, and the late sixties, early seventies is when the compounds came out. So, um, my dad was just eating up with the sport. It was something that he enjoyed and ended up, you know, getting into business for himself. And that's the job that I have today is running the, the business that he now started. Um, but I I think I shot my first bow and arrow when I was maybe three years old. It was one of the little fiberglass ones with the suction cup arrows on the end of it. And um, so archery's always been a part of my life. And it's it's just always been a way for me to to disconnect, even though, you know, I'm not a service member. I don't have PTSD, but I have being a human being in the 21st century, I have, I have stresses and there's something, there's something very transformational that happens when you put your phone down, you get outside, you pick up a bow and arrow and you just shoot arrows into a target. I I can't, it's it's almost something that you have to experience for yourself to describe what that feeling is. But I mean, um, you know, I've introduced a few people to archery and, and the first time that they fire an arrow into a target and you see that, that light bulb go on, it's magical. And, um, so I know I've kind of, kind of answered that question in a variety of ways there, but I mean, archery has always been a, a big part of my life and it's just within, been within the last five or six years that I've, I've now taken that and decided to introduce it to a, to a whole nother group of people and and share the benefits of archery with them.
0: Is there any interesting story of how your dad fell into archery?
1: I don't believe so. I don't, uh, I, I know that the local archery club that's in town here, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the archery clubs in Wisconsin have been around much longer than you and I have. I mean, this club that, that we support that as long know, as was, old fashions have been a part of Wisconsin culture, pretty good chance. Yeah, pretty good chance. So, but our, uh, our local archery club, you know, I think they started in the late fifties, early sixties. So, um, I don't think my, my grandfather, you know, he gun hunted, but he was not an archery guy. Um, so I think it was just a friend of close friend of my dad's that had started, you know, shooting a bow and arrow and said, Hey, you should, you should give this a try. So I think that, you know, that light bulb went on the first time my dad picked up a bow and arrow and he, he was hooked. So, um, that's, that's kind of his, his introduction to archery came through a, through a friend of his, what I, the way you
0: described, like the release of the arrow, a visualization kind of came into my head and I'm wondering, cause I've never done the compound bow. I don't, I'm trying to think if I've ever probably done anything other than like one, like you described where it's got the suction cup at the end, but watching our common friend, Ryan fire it at a recent event that I was at, it definitely hooked me on the simplicity, the, the skill level. And it reminded me of why I wanted to start barbecue barbecuing because I was, my dad's always been a gas guy and I've, always failed anytime I've tried charcoal. It's always ended up in a nightmare. Food's always undercooked and I'm stressed trying to get the fire relit. And then I had someone show me how to charcoal. And I was like, wow, this actually is more of an art than something that you just like read a book on and it should figure it out. You know people that helped you do it. And the idea of understanding the art was really something I became hooked on and realizing there's so much nuance to charcoal. And then watching him do the bow hunt, I would realize I was like, it's the same kind of concept Where he's like, there's a reason why there's a level on this, because if it's not level when you fire it, the bow, the arrow doesn't do what you want. But it's also like if as a person, we have a lot of stuck energy generally, like these stories, these feelings that most of the time we don't even process. And I can imagine if you were to even draw the analogy that a bow stores the energy as you pull the the string back, you're almost releasing that energy that you don't even know you need to in that moment that the arrow flies and finds its home.
1: Wow. I I have never, as long as I've been around it, I've never heard it articulated like that, but there is a lot of truth in that just from, from my own chair. I mean, you know, I work from home. COVID has been a, has been what it is for the last two years, but I mean, people in general, I think just have a lot of frustrations in life. I mean, if you're, if you're being honest with yourself, nobody's, nobody's living horseshoes and rainbows every day. So just to be able to, like I said, leave that, leave your phone inside, go outside and grab your bow and arrow, yeah, there is, there is some kind of a a release that takes place in your mind when you, when you shoot an arrow and there's, it's nothing but you and the target. So I think, um, and I also would agree with your, you know, your barbecuing analogy there. I mean, it's, it is a, it is an art. Archery is an art and it's something that the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, you know, if if, if you're good at something, you're going to want to do it more. So I think that, uh, You know, Ryan is just a classic example. I mean, here's a guy that had never shot a bow and arrow up until two years ago. And now he is completely just your number
0: one fan and customer.
1: He is. He is just (laughs) sold out on it. But I mean, he, he wants to bring everybody else that he can into the sport and share those benefits, you know, that he's receiving with them as well, which is, which is awesome.
0: And part of that analogy that I created comes from some of the stuff I've read on like uh, yoga and any types of deep meditation and how like energy works and how they would describe it getting stuck in the heart. And I think that's exactly what you're releasing when you're focusing on your breath, which going back to meditation, the breath is life. So when you can time your breath with that energy and let it go at the same time, like there is that spiritual essence of like, you're no longer held on to that energy as it flies away and... It's exactly where it's supposed to go. And I think what there's a couple other like sub elements and your dad did this, whether he was not, didn't know, probably that he was doing it. But when you do feel led into something and led by someone, there is a primal nature that comes from that. That is almost very much when like if say American Indians were teaching other young boys how to do the arrow, that feeling of having someone lead you through an exercise that's therapeutic for both people. Cause then you find value in what you have in your life when you can teach someone else how to do bow, but then the person receiving it feels led and we all have an innate feeling to be led by generally a father, but generally any human being, when we get led to something, we feel like, man, that was, that felt good. I don't feel lost. I feel seen and I feel movement towards something. And that's fuck if that's not what we're all looking for is some type of momentum and movement in life that like is a subconscious kind of feeling towards that.
1: Yeah, well, and I think you hit on something else there too. I mean, you talk about that, you know, primal nature, and you, you reflect back to the Native Americans. I mean, 150 years ago, we didn't have the luxury of going to the grocery store and buying whatever we needed to put food on the table that night. At that point in time, it was it was it was a skill of survival. It, it was a necessity to be able to shoot proficiently with a bow and arrow if you wanted to live another day. So, times have obviously changed quite a bit. But I think again, for me, it's it's an opportunity to kind of uh, you know, trend back towards simpler times when life wasn't so, I don't want to say confusing, but I mean, there's just there's so much, regardless of what walk of life you're from, there, there you just, you can't get away from the noise. And, and I think archery is a great way to do that because I, even if you don't, even if you don't take up hunting, even if you just take up archery as a skill to go to the local range or shoot in the backyard with your family, it gets you off the couch. It gets you away from the TV. It gets you off your phone and it gets you out doing something that's active and and it requires a a skill. And I think the thing that the veteran community really loves about it, and I've heard this numerous times is that it, it gives them back that camaraderie that they felt when they were serving, you know, because once they're not serving anymore, they're off doing an eight to five job. Yeah. They might have coworkers, but they might not love them. Yeah. And the coworkers
0: generally don't know them and, and understand them either.
1: Right, but, but this puts them back in that element of when they were serving, and now there's a bond created again that, that, that kind of reminds them of that time in service and the good times that they had there. And I mean, it's, I, I, I just feel humbled to be a small part of this because, I mean, Ryan mm-hmm. and, and countless other veterans have welcomed me into their family because of my love for them, wanting to love on them through the sport of archery, but I, I feel like I've been welcomed into their, their community, and so that, that's an honor to me to even be included in that group. Um, and it just, it, it lights me up to go to these archery shoots and see these guys shooting together and, you know, see them cutting it up, see them having fun and, and just, you know, knowing some of their stories that they're able to put those on the shelf for that day and just get out into, into nature and get into the outdoors and shoot a bow and arrow. It's, it's awesome.
0: When I watched the video that truly inspired me, like I got to reach out to you, there was also this, cause it was a pretty hard story of a man that was in a dark place and, four veterans that I've talked to and work with, there's always this um, an anxious feeling of lack of control because in the military, we have the illusion of control and we have some feeling like we we know how to navigate it and we can feel in control. And then on the other side, like we feel like we have no control over how life is happening to us in that moment, I think we were holding that bow. You step into a spot where you get back to control. And when you're anxious and overwhelmed by like PTSD, It's the lack of control that scares the shit out of you and that bow becomes this thing that like is a grounding mechanism almost for the rough seas that you're feeling as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would love to have David on your podcast. I mean, I've only known him for a little over a year, but he's flown up twice to uh, to our archery shoots. He's actually coming back up again in May for our first event this year. Most of it is high fence, you know, large, large ranches. I mean, some being several thousand acres, but most of it is, is high fence stuff where they have, you know, both native game and exotic animals. But yeah, there's a, there's a ton of hunting in Texas, but um, I mean, he is, he is the extreme case. I mean, archery has helped a, a lot of people, But in his case, it saved his life. He he credits getting a bow and arrow put in in his hand with saving his life. And I mean that when I started HHA USA, I said, you know, if if I can have one story like that, if we can impact one person's life, all the work that I do and and my volunteers do is going to be worth it. I mean, we've already done that. You know, only three years in, we're seeing those impacts. Um, And you know, that film was just the first of of many. We actually have three or four more films this year that are going to get turned out with similar stories to that of people that have. PTSD that have helped, you know, archery and the outdoors have helped overcome that.
0: And this podcast started to bring every dad home because we come home physically, but we don't come home emotionally. What I originally saw in that video is that bow and arrow helped him come home, not physically, but he kept, helped him come home to himself. Like it gave him that tool to walk through that feeling that he was holding back and avoiding and hiding from, but now he's got on the other side and that that bow and arrow has allowed him to feel like he can live again. Like it's, it's just a bow and arrow, but like going back to what I said, I think that release of the energy, the idea of control, which is the opposite of what we feel. It's just like, um, it's almost like pie in mathematics. It's a constant when they're holding that bow, they understand the world and it helps them just feel like it's going to be okay today.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable what it, what it did for him. And I don't want to get off on too much of a rabbit trail, but I mean, he, he ultimately received that bow and arrow from a, from a senior pastor at a church. And then he and his wife shortly after that started going back to church, he uh, came back around to his faith. um, And it just, you know, the combination of that bow and arrow and then, and then becoming a born again Christian just became life changing for him to the point where now he's in a much better place. I mean, he's, he's not going to lie to you. He still has bad days, but but archery and the outdoors have become a central part of his life to the point where he now works for uh, a veterans nonprofit in, in the San Antonio area that gets uh, gold star kids, terminally ill children and uh, purple heart vets out on dream hunts on this ranch. So, I mean, he's, he's now working in, in his passion. He's making a living for his family off of archery and the outdoors um, and impacting other veterans lives through it. So, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable the work that is being done, through him by somebody, somebody reaching out to him and seeing that he he was in need of help. And, and that bow and arrow, that stick and string saved his life. And now it's saving others. It's just.
0: One thought that I want to pivot to is when we think of a bow and arrow, being in Wisconsin, I feel like we're biased, that there's a simplicity to it that like, what could you get wrong? So I want to kind of just go like, what are some of like the things that maybe prevent people from thinking like they should even try bow and arrow. Like what are some of the misconceptions about learning the the art that maybe we can attack so people can see that like, Hey, I should give this a
1: shot. Well, I think there's a few things. I mean, first and foremost, if you're going to, if you're going to get into archery, you need to go to. You either need to work with somebody that does a lot of bow work themselves, as far as an archery enthusiast that does that work at their house, or you want to go to a, to a pro shop where they have, you know, trained professionals that are going to get you into a bow that's going to fit you. Cause I mean, if you, if you shoot a bow that is not sized properly for you, you're, you're not going to be successful with it and you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to want to pick it up again. Um, so I think those are a couple of big things. And then I think a lot of people, especially people that don't hunt, they, they, they automatically, equate archery and hunting together so they don't want to touch a bow because they know that it kills animals but at the same time there are hundreds of thousands of people around the world that shoot archery for recreation that don't hunt so so i think that's a huge misconception if, if people don't want to hunt well i'm not going to shoot a bow and arrow well, that's that that's a that's a huge misconception because there is a lot of recreational archers that, that do it at a very high competitive level even up to the olympics and some of those people don't hunt
0: And I remember when I was talking to Ryan, that he as well mentioned that, like, don't buy it on Amazon. Don't buy it at Walmart, go to like a 3d range and let them, even if you had to pay a little bit more, this is one of those places where you want to go to the pro shop to buy your tennis racket, because in this case, they're going to make sure that they, they tell you things you don't even know about. And this is one of those classic examples that you don't know what you don't know. And going into a sport like this with that blinder and cataract on your eyes, you're going to go into it and be like, uh, I mean even podcasts and you can start a podcast and and there's thousands of things that you should know. And you're going to get frustrated because you didn't ask anybody and you didn't work on knowing what you didn't know. And then the whole process just falls apart and you quit. So I could easily see that, uh, happening.
1: No. And that, that was a good recommendation on his part. And I mean, I don't want your listeners to be intimidated and think that they're going to ring up a huge bill by getting into the sport of archery because, um, I mean, it's just like anything. You can you can get a bow and arrow set up for three hundred dollars. You can spend twenty, three hundred dollars. You know, it just it just depends on how how far you want to go, how advanced you want your equipment to be. But it, and the thing is, with with archery guys, especially hardcore archery guys and girls, is that they it's just like cell phones. They turn their cell phone over. You know, when the new one comes out, they got to get the new one. So there's a there's a lot of used archery equipment out there that can be had. So so you're not going to have to break the bank to get into I it. I know
0: several friends of like. Uh, I remember one friend. He asked his, his wife, "Like, what would you have to get in order for me to get a fifteen hundred dollar bow? Like, what? How does this <laughs> transaction work? If I were to get this, what does that like look like for you on your side? For what you would want in consideration so that I could get what I
1: want?" Yeah, but like I said, there's. Uh, I mean, my wife. I'm I'm going to get her into archery this year, and and I mean, the, the bow that I got for her, you know, at retail is about four hundred dollars. So, I mean, it's not, relatively speaking, it's not an expensive hobby to get into. And I mean, I think, well, and the thing that Ryan hit on, why he got into it, I mean, he he calls himself a projectile enthusiast. I love that. It's a great, great title. But um, I think when COVID hit, I think the price of ammunition just went through the roof. And so that's what turned him to archery because, you know, you shoot a bullet, you're never going to get it back. Well, if you're, if you're halfway decent with the bow and arrow, you shoot your arrow, you go down to the target, you retrieve it. So, I mean... A, a good archer might only need a dozen arrows a year or a half dozen arrows a year so your your ammunition for a bow and arrow is is reusable and it's not as expensive as a as someone that uh, that is a gun enthusiast and so that that's what originally pointed Ryan towards archery which I found kind of interesting
0: i'm curious how did your wife avoid getting into archery when you are an archery business <laughs> owner enthusiast and you have it pretty much surrounded by like how did that like denial of waiting so long to get into it. work.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to take the blame for that because we just, you know, even though we don't have kids, we have busy lives following our nieces and nephews around. I've got a business. She's got a full-time job. We have a nonprofit to run and, and it just, I don't know how it never came up sooner, but I mean, she's, and this bow, unfortunately has been hanging in my basement for three years waiting for her to shoot it. And we, we finally were talking about it last week. I've had her bow hanging in our basement for the last three years. And it's just been one of those things that we've, we've allowed life to get too busy with the other stuff and the distractions. And, and this spring, I'm I'm finally going to get her out on the range and start shooting. So
0: the irony that you're probably going to face is just the, almost like the, the dating aspect of creating time to do something. That's not like a regular date. You're going to be like, how did we not do this so long ago? Like you're going to have it like smacking in the face. Like, this feels really connected right now. Like how did we not think this is something we should do? And now it's going you're going to be like making up time and doing it even more Then I,
1: I hope, I hope you're right. And I mean, I, I ultimately am taking the fall for this. Cause I mean, back when her and I first started dating, I mean, at that point I was still, cause the archery is all I've ever done. I mean, it's the only job I've ever had. So I mean, I've been in the archery space for 30, 35 years as a, as a career. And so as much as I love it, there, there was a time or a point in time where, where it almost felt like a job. And so I didn't even do it as much personally. Um, I was, I was divorced back in 2010 and just went through a pretty dark place myself and, and archery was not a high priority then. I was off doing other stuff. And, and I just, I kind of, I don't want to say I got sick of it, but I had been doing it for so long that I, I kind of, my, my enthusiasm for the sport died out. And I, I hate to admit that, but it's, it's true. Um, but then after you know, after getting remarried and then after everything came about with the veterans and seeing how impactful archery was to them, it really, it really relit my fire for the sport. And, and I feel like I almost took it for granted for, for a few years. And, and I don't,
0: realized how, how important of a tool and maybe even some of the, the healing in your own story that you needed to go through that you were sure. avoiding.
1: Yeah, no, there was, there was definitely some you know, some benefits that I got out of getting back into not just archery, but hunting in general. I mean, I had never, I wasn't a big, uh, rifle hunter, but that was something that I got back into in the last handful of years. And now I, I enjoy that almost as much as I do. I do archery hunting. Cause so, I mean, it's, it's easier to harvest a deer with a, with a gun at 150 yards than it is with a bow and arrow. Um, and so uh, just as a way to fill my freezer and just to get out and enjoy that time, um, it's it just in general, my, my passion for the outdoors has been relit and I have the veteran community to thank for part of that. So.
0: And I want to highlight something that's almost disconnected from our troop, but it's connected in the same way is we always feel disconnected in just the process of life as a veteran. We feel alone. We feel isolated. We feel unseen and we feel invisible to the world by finding this tool where people are coming together to learn it, you then create new friendships. And just like that guy in San Antonio, Texas, like he is now taking that and creating new communities of veterans to help through. And that connected feeling is really how, how you make a a difference on this process of helping dads figure out how to be dad and not end up killing themselves is finding like people like yourself to grow and get connected. So, I mean that's a sub thing below all of this but so many friendships that are probably going to be lifelong friendships forever all because someone picked up a bow. Like that just seems incredible to me even well beyond all the other wins that your nonprofit has going for you.
1: Well, and you're you're exactly right. I mean, that is one of the biggest wins. I mean, obviously we want to we want to reduce that 22 a day. That is our that is our purpose, but the friendships that are de- getting built as a result of this, you're you're exactly right. I mean, we literally have people flying in from coast to coast for our archery shoots this year to, to tiny little central Wisconsin. Uh, and that's, that's humbling to know that, that people see that much value in our cause and, and they want to come back to these shoots because, Hey, I met this guy here last year. I can't wait to hang out and shoot arrows with them again. And who else am I going to meet? I mean, it's just, it's, I, I get goosebumps just talking about it. It's, it's very humbling to be a small part of, of a community like that and know know what's what's happening there and the the hard
0: part as a marketer because i've gone to different conferences and i was just actually at a men's retreat men's retreat this past weekend and there were 18 guys there but conferences there's usually hundreds of people you can't really sell the connection that comes there because if you try to describe it most people would tell you you're full of shit and but when you describe it like and feel it in real life you're like man i needed that but trying to put that on a brochure and trying to get like, Hey, you should come here so that you can just feel connected to these other people. People are like, ah, you're full of shit. I don't think that's going to happen, especially if someone's never affected it or never felt it or just is selling their own and buying their own BS in their head. That feeling though is so impactful. So if you have an opportunity like what HHA is doing or any other opportunity where you just to get to randomly jump into a space where you don't know anybody, but the essentially the likelihood of running into someone that could change your life is so much higher in those cases. Man, those spaces can be the one conversation that changes your life. And you're like, but you can't put on a brochure like most people won't believe it. If you're like, oh, we come to this event, meet someone that could change your life. You're like, what? That, no one's going to sell that and and like actually make that happen. But you don't even you don't even do anything other than facilitate the space. And it just happens. So I'd encourage anybody that's out there listening that hasn't done anything like that. Archery is just a tool, but those events bring people together that have the commonalities that there's a man out there that needs to hear what you need to hear. And they someone out there needs to n- hear what you have to say. And that's how we worked in this problem together.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, cause I mean, I'm a marketing guy by trade and, and yeah. How do you, how do you bottle that up and, and put it on a brochure, put it on a website, put it in a, a two minute video, you know, to market that to the general public. And, and that's a, that is a challenge. Um, but but I think we've done a fairly good job of that. Um, I think I think you know, like like you said, that that that's difficult to bottle up. How, how do you put that on a flyer? How do you put it on a website? How do you put it in a two minute video? Um, but you I did think, do a
0: really good job in that video though, because that that video definitely was uh, it sold the feeling of this isn't a bow and arrow.
1: Well, and and that's I I think you know our our producer is just second to none. I mean, he has a way of capturing a story and making people gravitate towards that cause and resonate with them. Um, and I mean, Ryan's going to be one of those stories. His, his film will be coming out here by the end of the summer. Um, the gentleman that introduced me to him, uh, same deal. He's a, he's a military dad. I'd love to have you on, have him on your podcast as well, because I mean, he has, um, he's got PTSD. He's now starting a veterans organization to get them into archery. Uh, He'll be at all of our shoots this year. So yeah, it's, you know, I think, I think back to last May was our first shoot. That's actually where David's footage was filmed for that uh, for that production. And we had a, we had a competition shoot that night and I didn't shoot very well and I got eliminated fairly early on, but that was a blessing because I was able to kind of stand back and, and watch kind of what transpired the rest of the evening and just see veterans and civilians coming together around the sport of archery, seeing the laugh, seeing the conversation, seeing the the hugs and the camaraderie. And that evening kind of really shifted our focus um, because when we first started out, we were very heavy with uh, the honor flight, which we still do stuff with them, great organization. But I just feel like the honor flights have been around to the point now where there's, there's a little bit more public awareness for them than there is for this cause that you and I are talking about. So, mm-hmm. so we're going to shift more of our resources towards getting bows and arrows into, into people's hands and help them out. And that, that night last May in in Warren's Wisconsin, kind of, kind of set us on that trajectory.
0: And it's like, it's crazy how those, those events happen. And this is the lie that veterans sell and buy at the same time is that these types of life-changing days don't exist because all they see is repeat. They all see, they feel the same way, but I'm here to say I've had so many of those, even this past weekend was that type of event for me. And that's when you have to to lean in and almost do the opposite of what your intuition is doing. I want to ask a different question that we maybe go a little bit deeper in the fatherhood story. I could easily see as a veteran dad learning to understand this bow and arrow, teaching his son or daughter to do this, is also a healthy process of passing down this skill so that they have a tool to process life and to deal with life and to release that energy that might get stuck when it comes to them. Do you ever do events that are father and son orientated like that?
1: Uh, we don't do a specific father son event, but I mean, I think to, you know, three or four of my closest friends that are volunteers slash ambassadors, whatever you want to call them for HHA USA, they have. They have sons and daughters and their, their kids are going to get into archery if they haven't already. It's just something that, you know, dad does it. That's cool. I want to, I want to go out and shoot my bow too. So uh, it, it definitely, I mean, it's not that they're forcing it on them, but I think the kids just see it and they see the enjoyment and the peace and the calm that it brings to dad. So, Hey, I want to go out and do that with you as well. So, um and David, who, who was on our uh, you know, on that video, he, he was able to witness his son, you know, harvesting his first doe down in Texas last year. So, I mean, he's already at the age where he can hunt. Um, and, you know, they, and that's another thing not to get off on a, on a squirrel trail again here, but the, uh, for, for those that maybe are not into archery, uh, but want to, want to eat better. That, that, that's a, definitely an angle that we've seen a lot of organizations go at for, as far as organic goes. I mean, everybody wants to go organic and eat healthier, you're not going to get a healthier meat than you are, you know, some grass-fed beer
0: v- out in the middle of the wilderness,
1: <laughs> some fresh venison. Exactly. So I know I kind of, I kind of changed topics on you there, but that's, that's been a huge, uh, huge push as well. And I mean, David and his family, they have a lot of food allergies, so they, they need that natural, natural meat. They could go out and buy organic meats from elsewhere, but I mean, for him to get out into the, into the woods and now, now share that with his family and basically bring stuff back to put on the table, that's, that's getting back to that 150 years ago.
0: There's one other thing that I often talk about and I want to just anchor it with this is that one of the things that dads struggle with and kids struggle with, especially when there's been a loss of a father for whatever reasons, whether he gets old and dies or whether something tragically happens or whether he takes his own life or if he's actively deployed or if he's in the military and he gets deployed and maybe he doesn't come home, is creating anchor memories that your kids have where they can go visit you. Not like a gravestone, but where they can like visit your presence. Because what kids often struggle with is when you're not there, they don't feel like they have a place to go talk to you. They don't have this place to go tap into like the most powerful question as I describe it, that a kid's going to ask after you're gone is what would dad do? And this is also an anchor memory that whether you're here tomorrow, a week, 10 years or 20 years, if you teach your kids this process of archery and you do it together, your kid's going to have a way to tap into who you are. He's going to have a way to tap into your memory And also remember that whether you're there or not, you're always there because you have this common feeling of because there's going to be a feeling attached to this bow. And every time he pulls that back, he's going to be able to even feel and hear his dad's wisdom in the back of his head of telling him what to do and how to improve. And that's so important as adults, whether we're here or not, that we can pass down that place that kids can visit and ask that question what would dad do? Especially if you're deployed or getting ready to deploy, you have to do this before you leave, but create these anchor memories because when you're gone for a year to time for whatever wars we might be in the future, these memories are the thing that will help ground your child so that when you come home, like it's not rebuilding the relationship. He's had this place to go to maintain the relationship.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I mean, if I, if I had a son and was in, whether I was in the service or not, I mean, teaching, teaching him or a daughter to, to shoot a bow and arrow. What, what a great place to to have that. I mean, it's, it's a healthy outlet for For a child, you know, and instead of sitting on a video game or or eating a bowl of junk food. I mean, let's go outside and shoot the bows. And if dad's gone, if dad's deployed, you know, obviously you want to do it in a safe environment. But I mean, there's there's so many organizations for kids to get into archery now, too, where once they get introduced, now they can be part of like traveling archery teams. I mean, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot to chew on there. But um, I I think that's a great, definitely a great point. I mean, I think about my own life. I mean, my dad introduced me to archery um the land that we hunted on you know he passed away a couple of years ago but the land that we hunted on has been in our family for over 100 years and I still have one of his one of the last tree stands that he sat in it is still i mean it's it's been 20 years the father time has not been too kind to it it's kind of twisted on the tree but that's still out in the in the tree the last place that he shot a deer um and I see that multiple times a season so i mean it, it's impossible to to look at that and not flash back to you know good memories of him and and the fact that he introduced me to archery and i'm i spend you know hundreds of hours out in that woods every fall hunting even though he's not there with me anymore he is because his memories are there
0: and it also allows i mean the, the we're only forgotten when people don't remember our name and so if we can create a place like you have to go and just relive that wisdom the experience and the memory the feeling i mean your dad will always be remembered because it's going to be a story passed down. And it's going to be a feeling that you described to other people. I mean, everything you do is kind of this, How I, can I create and pass down this gift that my father gave me and to make sure that that gift keeps on giving and that this other new modality can be just as healing as it been for my life and for others as well.
1: Yeah. There's just, there's, you know, it, it, it sounds sounds like we're kind of overstating the importance of a bow and arrow. I mean, that can be done through anything. Maybe it's through golf. Maybe it's yeah, through Yeah, this baseball. is just well, one archery, tool, but... Uh, archery is just one tool, but yeah.
0: I would say this is also the, the non-obvious one. Like fishing is an easy one. That's probably the most obvious one that probably that I cycle up when I talk about the idea the most. Um, really, golfing would be another one, depending on where you're at in the country. But archery to me, like just because of what you described and the way the people have gone through it, and what they've experienced, I would say it's even different than fishing. Cause I mean, fishing is kind of peaceful, but there's not much about releasing like that. You're going to feel like literally fly out. Like we talked about in the beginning, the energy, like building it up and then just letting it go and literally having something leave you feeling that feeling, I think there is something unique about archery that the other anchor memories could be good, but say if your kids went through something traumatic, that archery would already be a tool they have to go use. Like it could be literally be something they don't know when they need it, but then when they need it, they know how to process it and they don't get stuck, which is the worst case scenario when you have something traumatic happen to you.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's always the, uh, you know, anytime you see anything in writing about archery, you know, I've gotten, I've, I've written it on the bottom of of emails and letters I've sent to people and received it in, in my life, you know, shoot straight. well, obviously that's a play on words being in our industry, but also, I mean, who doesn't want to shoot straight in this life? You know, think about that for a minute and just, just the skills that it teaches you as far as, you know, being disciplined and taking care of your equipment and, and, you know, hitting the, hitting the mark every time. Um, And there are times, I mean, I put a post out on my social media. I'd have to look back. It was probably a year ago, but I, I shot a group of arrows in my yard and five of the six were in the bullseye, but one of them was off over here. And I mean, We're going to have days like that. We're not going to hit the mark every day, but that doesn't mean that I'm never going to pick my bow up again or or walk outside and take on life. I mean, life is not, life is not a bullseye every time you pull the bow back, but that doesn't mean we don't keep shooting.
0: That's an amen for any business owner out there.
1: (laughs) Or or anybody, anybody in life. I mean, that's just the, that's the harsh reality of the world that we live in, but we have to, there's always another arrow to shoot.
0: Yeah. So where can people get in touch if they are in Wisconsin, or if they want to be like the other people that fly into your events, where's the best place to find some information about what you do, or even the nonprofit, if that's where the website would be for that event?
1: Yes. I mean, we've essentially got two different, you know, my for-profit business is HHA Sports. That's the organization that, that my dad started. You know, it's been around for almost 40 years. And we, we build the, mainly the sites is what we make for the bows. Um, HHAsports.com. That's where you can find all that information. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then our, our nonprofit is hhausa.org, So that is uh, that tells more about everything that we're doing on the, on the nonprofit side. Um, And this year we'll host six events across Wisconsin, starting in May going through the end of August. Um, And those are, it's, it's billed as the HHA USA Veterans Archery Shoot Tour. And once in a while, people will say, well, do you have to be a veteran to attend? Absolutely not. I mean, it's it's probably more civilians than it is veterans, but it's just that the money that is raised goes back to our veterans and our first responders, thus the thus the title.
0: And that even in itself, often civilians, I mean, it's probably something you felt, is we, they often really struggle of how to make up for the sacrifice that veterans. And I mean, most of them will just thank you for your service, but most of them, if they're honest, they're like, they say it because they feel like they need to or that's what they should but it doesn't ever feel like it does enough so this is also a great way to give to an organization that creates support to create and connect with the environment because on the other side of this in a completely non-archery way one of the best gifts that you can give a veteran is to sit down and listen to a story let help him de-burden his story from his life and all you got to do is force gump it sit down on a bench somewhere and just listen to their story as they they tell it that in itself is probably something that happens naturally throughout the different course of events. So as a civilian, these places are also a great way to truly, if you want to show your support towards military, this is a great way to do it in a big giant false swoop and it closes a couple different boxes in just helping veterans before and after and the ones at the, the event.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they are great events in, in so many ways. I mean, and I know, you know, depending on the severity of PTSD, you know, some people don't like crowds. I mean, we, we're not packing thousands of people in. I mean, we get anywhere from, you know, maybe 75 to 150 people, 200 people on a weekend. So most of our shoots are all Fridays and, or I'm sorry, Saturdays and Sundays. So, um, And if you don't want to, you know, hang out at the clubhouse, if you want to just come and shoot a bow and arrow, well, then you and three or four of your buddies can go out on the course. And, you know, for people that haven't shot a 3D archery course, it's basically like playing golf with a bow and arrow. You just walk around and shoot at targets anywhere from 15 to 50 yards in range, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 targets. And it's just, it's very, it's very therapeutic and it's very relaxing. And, and we're just, we're excited to be like I said, at the beginning, kind of using all the blessings that we've been given in the archery community to now give back to the veteran and first responder community and and come alongside and and love on those guys and gals that, that need our help.
0: Well, this is other than the Ryan episode, this is the very first opening of archery on the podcast. So I hope we answered all the questions and if you didn't, Hopefully, we'll be talking to other archery people. And also, those uh, veterans that you talked about, they'll be hopefully coming on the podcast and we can dive into even more questions. So, if there was a question you want answered, let me know. Ben at dad.com. But, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on today, opening our eyes to archery and helping us understand that it's not something to be scared of. It can be really a Swiss Army knife for whatever you need it to be in life. And it doesn't have to be just something that takes life. It can just be something that, in this way, as I say it, helps you give yourself life by releasing whatever you've got inside.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, my wheels are already turning. You're, you're going to get quite a few uh, HHA USA disciples on your, on your podcast, archery, archery guys, military dads. that will it'll be able to speak into this a lot more than I can. So,
0: well, I look forward to being an HHA evangelist and spreading it from the rooftops. And I will definitely be looking it up myself to try to get up there and also get some funds put away so that I can get a boat because it's, Watching Ryan do it, it's definitely been an itch on my heart, and I don't have a lot of those things, and most of the ones that I did have kind of have gone to the wayside with kids, so I'm looking forward to doing this. And irony is I used to have a neighbor that would always be shooting archery in his backyard maybe like eight years ago. I always thought he was kind of weird because I was like, I just never met someone that did archery, and now looking back, I was like, I missed a ripe opportunity by thinking, oh, that's weird. And I could have had a conversation we could have done it together and we never really had like a friendship. We talked to each other as neighbors, but there was an opportunity to, to connect and I missed it. So if you're like me, don't miss it and make sure you take the opportunities as they come. So Chris, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. I look forward to it and all those links and websites will be in the show notes for you to check out. Chris, thank you. And have a great day, man. You too, Ben. Thanks a lot. righty then. I've always wanted to say in that podcast, Ace Ventura is one of my favorite movies growing up, classic flashback, but to the big topic, my big takeaway, this episode would touch me in a deep way, in a way of understanding this new idea that I'm getting ready to step into because I've never done anything with archery my entire life, the excitement of getting into it, but on a deeper level, the part where we touched on the part of actually like releasing the energy and why is it that archery is a tool and a mechanism to heal as a veteran. Well, if you think of all the things that were holding back, the stuck-up energy, if you were to visualize the energy behind a dam, that energy has to get released. And the tool of literally pulling back the bow, letting the energy and tension build up, because essentially, if you go back to physics, when you pull it back, you have potential energy. And when you let go, the energy begins to do the work. It's kinetic energy. And it's that potential energy combined with the kinetic energy that I think connects with a person's soul and allows it to release and just kind of let go of that. So I will validate that theory as I get my first bow here soon and hopefully dive into it even more. If this is something that you're looking for, make sure you take the resources that Chris talked about. Google, reach out to your local 3D archery range. It's something you can go into Google, do 3D arch ranges near me. Something that I did immediately after hanging out with Ryan. So guys, Make sure you're looking up archery. If you've never done it, try it. Because like I said, the ability to learn a new skill is something that really is important for a veteran to keep moving. Because we learn a lot of skills. The military invests a lot of energy to make sure that our skills are efficient. And we're always learning new ways to think, feel, and act. Well, as I say, feel out loud. They do not do a good enough job helping us learn how to feel. But in all the other areas, they do. So make sure you're taking the effort that you did while you served On the other side, now that you're out and finding ways to serve. That is all I have for you today. If you have been a long-time listener, I do have an ask though. If you've been a long-time listener to this podcast, I ask that you share it with a veteran, first responders, law enforcement. These people need to know the tools because I say first responders and law enforcement because minus the word military, everything else we talk about applies to what they go through. They see trauma. They see service. They are also even more so seeing trauma on the day and coming back and trying to pretend it's all normal. Veterans at least have this buffer where we go away, see war, we come back, we have this miles and miles and thousands of miles of distance. So law enforcement has some of the same stuff. So if you know law enforcement, if you know someone in the first responders or military or a regular veteran, whatever it may be, I would be wholeheartedly appreciative of you sharing this podcast. This podcast only grows and reaches more dads out there if you, the listener, shared it. If you didn't get value from it, I don't want you to share it. I want you to tell me what we could do to make it better, to earn that share. Let me know how this podcast can improve, what you want me to stop doing, don't talk about that, don't talk about that story, or look and bring on these types of guests because these are the ones that would really help me move through. Or if I brought someone on and you're like, you know what, we really need more of those people, like maybe stories connected to archery that we talked about that Chris is going to connect and hopefully bring on some more stories of people that have walked through their stories using archery. Guys, I would humbly and appreciate anybody that shares this podcast. Like I said, that is all we have for this week. And I will be back again with you next Monday.